Good evening and welcome back to another edition of the It's Not Orange podcast. And it may be February, but in Blackpool's world, it's still Christmas after we gifted Leighton Orient another easy win away from Bloomfield Road with an O'Neill goal, um, submitting the Seasiders to another away day defeat. We'll be looking back at this that game this evening um, and looking ahead to Shrewsbury um, and the team we want to play, uh, as well as um, analysing the Sadler interview that was given this week. Uh, joining me for that is Power. How are we doing, bud? I'm good, mate. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. All recovered from, good from your hangover. Yeah, no, I wasn't too bad in the end, mate. The football sobered me up um, royally. Uh, welcome back, Mark. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, up and down, a bit like our team. Uh, Saturday was great. Tuesday was uh, instantly forgettable. And, and I, fair play to anybody that went, well done, Tom. Yeah, well, I, I can pick them, mate. I've been to... Into a fair yeah. few, but they've all been poor. But um, we'll start. Uh, I mean, there's there's pointless going through the Bolton game. We will just. I think the uh, the energy etc has been sapped out of us from Tuesday. But um, Mark was just going to say it was a mm. it was a game for the ages, so to speak, and it and it felt like the Blackpool of old um, was back at Bloomfield Road um, and as back to back weeks as well before sort of. Um, Leighton Orient that we came from behind and it certainly looked like we were turning the corner. It was it was terrific actually it was it really felt like a proper you know derby game and although Bolton isn't technically a derby it, it, you know historically it's a, it's a big game in our fixture list I think and it is it seems to be for them as well even though they might not admit it but I thought it was a cracking atmosphere you know we went a goal down and for once it didn't seem to bother us too much um, we were we were you know we, without playing blisteringly fantastic football you could see that they were vulnerable and, and I think we had a go at them and we, we were ruthless. We, we, we picked our moments. There were some big moments in the game that went our way as well a little bit. Um, and yeah, it was just a really great atmosphere. Place was bouncing, the sort of game that fills you full of optimism, the sort of game that makes you realise why you're a Blackpool fan and why we love it so much and why Bloom for Rose are brilliant when it gets going. And then a few days later, the absolute... And you know, antidote to that, the the opposite of that is is what we saw on Tuesday, and it's such a shame. We we cannot get any momentum going, can we? Big word momentum in football, as we said last week. Can't get any of it going at all. Just cannot get ahead of steam up. Shame. Yeah, pal, fast forward a little bit. Sadler said it was nice to be win. Nice to win, sorry, three games in a row because we haven't done that this season. That was obviously before the Bolton game, and obviously that would have made it two and, and late Norrie would have made it three, but it, it seemed, and I'm going to say it how I feel really, because it seemed like Critchley and his team selection kind of didn't want to win the game, so to speak. Um, a bit like the BSM trophy. Um, we started with Grimshaw um, in goal, but sorry, when I say like the BSM trophy, he obviously started Connolly, um, Equiteta, Pennington, um, Hamilton, Norburn, Byers, Dembele, Gabriel, Beasley and Joseph. The inclusion of the likes and Connolly and Hamilton, um, I would say surprised me, but it didn't really surprise me when he, when they said they were back in contention. But I did have a feeling they'd be in the squad more so than than actually starting because it's it's two players which haven't played and we've won against Peterborough and and Bolton, and then he's gone ahead and go and picked them notoriously on a on an away day where we haven't been as good. So therefore we need our best players there. Um, he's picked them um, and we've kind of made our minds up before the 90 minutes has even started that we're going to struggle more so than we did against um, 
Peterborough and Bolton. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, firstly, just on a bit of a positive, like Martin says, Bolton was a magnificent game. The performance had everything. Um, so when fast forward to the Tuesday, it was just the complete opposite. Um, I actually made a when I think it was Andy Bayes that tweeted saying that Connolly and CJ were back in contention. So I tweeted jokingly, "Don't be a dick, Neil." And then when the team came out, I just retweeted that tweet and said, "He's been a dick," which I think is probably the best summary of it because shoehorning Connolly and CJ back into that team after the way we played at Bol- against Bolton. Okay, I know uh, there was maybe a couple of injuries, but CJ at left back was just mind boggling especially when you got Lyons sat on the bench. Um, it, there was just no need to do it. Like Martin said, momentum is the big word. Um, and putting Connolly and CJ into there just removes all momentum outside for me. Yeah, it's... I'm just thinking about sort of the Bolton lineup. Um, obviously, we went with Husband, Marvs and, and Pennington, but it was Gabriel and Colson making up the... We had options uh, available, didn't we, on, on the bench. Um, not only did we have... I think from what I understand that Casey, um, sorry, husband had a bit of a dead leg, but we still have got Casey sitting on the bench, arguably one of our best centre-backs, if not the best centre-back we have um, after the amazing sort of purple batch he had at the start of the season, signing the contract. We've, we've spoken about this before. And unless listeners want to comment on X or you two want to tell me differently, there's not been any moments really this season, apart from Barnsley away, where I thought Connolly had a fantastic game. Um, all those months back, why Connolly should be starting ahead of Casey? There, there, there isn't anything in in this world where you're pushing for playoffs, where you don't want your most competent back line in. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying Connolly is the reason we lost this game, but it's about instilling confidence, about having the right shape, right, the right players and right intentions from the start, isn't it? Yeah, I think when you're the left-hand side of your back five, so to speak, is CJ and Connolly, you're already at a massive disadvantage. Um, I think it was the last pod when I was on last week, I said I'd be putting Pennington, Casey and Marvin into that back three anyway. I mean, it's not like Connolly is naturally left-footed or overly strong on his left foot. So for me, Pennington is a lot more capable on the ball. He's more capable with the ball at his feet. I don't know if I'm missing something or if I'm just being a bit of an idiot or whatever it is, but surely if you've got a player with the ability like Pennington has, which is so much better than Connolly, put Pennington on the on the left-hand side and then have Casey on the right and Marv in the middle. And that would be a lot stronger than what we started with at Orient. So it's just so frustrating, especially like you say, when Casey is sat on the bench because he's been my defender of the season by a mile. I think he's head and shoulders over anything we've got. Um, so, yeah, to start with Connolly is frustrating. Not to pin the whole loss on him because I don't think any of them were great, but I, think, I just think it's a poor foundation to build from, isn't it? Yeah, and it's about confidence, isn't it, Martin? Like, so many points this season. Um, and we'll come on to Hamilton. And, well, we'll come on to Hamilton now, actually. <laughs> you you got this feeling, really, like I said before the game, that it's, it's, regardless of who the two regardless of obviously Connolly being there, it's now again shoehorning Hamilton back in where he's, I thought he's he's noticed the difference it makes when Hamilton doesn't play there, right? And comes off mm. the bench and has that impact, the speed, the the you know, the worry at 60, 70 minutes where you bring on the likes of Hamilton. And um for example, when we played Charlton, when you bring on a player like Dembele, I know he's a starter now, but when you bring yeah. on a player like that with pace, um 
isn't the last thing you want to see, but also gives you a bit of a imagination off the bench, doesn't it? So, so to speak, I don't think Hamilton's that got that much imagination, but it, it, it allows us him to be a bit more free if he's played in more attacking position. And it, I thought, and I did really think that Critchley might have seen that now. And we did genuinely start to look like a real outfit against Peterborough. And as Powell just said, against Bolton, we looked ferocious. We looked clinical. Mm. We looked like a team that, that actually just clicked and gelled. Um, and I know this is a squad game and I think it emphasises a lot about our squad when, when we had to start the players that kind of played on Tuesday because of injuries. But it kind of made me think again about Critchley that he's just really not aware of of his best team or, or his best players in those positions because he still persisted with that formation but he didn't play lines or he didn't play um, anyone else who could, like Casey, for example, who could fit in and, and give us a lot more structure. Yeah, I think that it's such a shame that Coulson wasn't available because I thought he had a great game on Saturday. You know, he was really effective in that role for the first half. And then and then Kate, uh, uh, Andy Lyons has to come on and replace him and you kind of go, well, yeah, you start, you start how you finished. Uh, obviously, I know Lavery wasn't available either, but... Um, but, but, uh, Sorry to interrupt, but they, I thought they genuinely, Colson and Lyons, arguably had the performances of the season yeah. in those positions Easily, and, yeah. and had a half each. Um, I, agree, I agree completely. Which, I, so like if one's not available, pick the other one. Yeah. You're, you're but he picked option C, didn't he? You know, pick, well, option B. Um, do you know what I would say about Critchley is that... Um, with this sort of sort of selection, is that if if Critchley was a Premier League manager, and he was at a press conference with twenty journalists scrutinising him and asking him loads of questions, someone would ask that question and say, "Some of your team selections, Neil, are a bit strange." No one, no one questions him. The in-house media won't do that anyway. Radio Lanks don't seem to want to go there either. And there's no really anybody else, is there? Nobody at the Gazette's going to going to have the the kind of presence of mind to do that. So I feel like Critchley at the level that he's at, makes some bizarre decisions and nobody actually, from a professional point of view, challenges him over it. You know, if that was Mikel Arteta or or even the Luton manager, Rob Edwards, if he was making that sort of bizarre selection, there'd be at least two or three journalists saying, can I just ask you, why Why would you not uh, carry on with that? But no one challenges him. So I feel like um, he makes some bizarre decisions and he has a bit of an easy ride over it that no one actually, clearly, clearly his boss isn't challenging him. So I, I think he just got the freedom to just make strange decisions. Well, journalists no get one pushed out of the jobs whether you do challenge them, Mr. Scrap. Well, yeah, yeah, I know, I get that, I get that, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, all, the only people who ask the questions are the fans. That's it. Yep. So it's just strange. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, CJ Hamilton's got no place in that team in in that position. You know, away from home, he's pr- constantly proved that he's totally ineffective. Does not have the intelligence or the um, the um, what's the word? The nouse to play in that position and, and be effective. At home, I keep saying this every week, we get away with it at home. Don't get away with it away, even against average teams. Is it played that much at home recently, though, has he? Like, I know it's only been a few games, but we've started to look like such a better team in recent weeks. And you actually think, right, three five two does work. The players we've got will fit the system and we will rip teams apart a la Bolton. Um, I know they're down to 10 men, but that was because of an attacking move down lines aside, which caused them to, to make a dreadful tackle. You know, we made that red card happen. It wasn't just a, you know, just a, a, a random sort of going into a player. You know, he, he panicked and, and, and therefore took Joseph out. And 
we were, we were tearing Bolton apart and we were really worried about both Peterborough away and Bolton at home. Not so much because we don't step up against these big teams. I think this season's proved that we do. But it was still one of these games after Peterborough we thought we were going to absolutely ruined. And, you know, we really did stand up for once and Blackpool fans started to believe again. And I think that's why they travelled in the numbers against Warrior um, on a Tuesday night um, for, for the team to do this again. And we'll come on to Hamilton's performance a little bit. Like I said, I'm not blaming the loss on these two. It's it's about principles and, and building momentum. And I actually felt the life got sucked out of our side because we didn't have the intelligence on the pitch to to break late and orient down. And we'll come on to Wellens' comments a bit later on. But I thought they were spot on after the game and you know, quite quite shameful on, on Blackpool's half as well. But um, Paul, I'll come to you. It was moments in that first half, especially early on, um, well, I actually thought Blackpool started quite well, um, contrary to, to, to what we just said about the lineup. Thought we settled down fairly well. Um, there was there was attacks both down Gabriel's side and Hamilton's side, and we we you know we we looked like we we're going to start creating chances. Hamilton had the ball. Uh, sorry, Gabriel had the ball in the box. Um, just eluded Joseph, um, and then I think Hamilton had the ball a few times. You know, early on where he decided instead of trying to take on the man, he would cut inside and make a pass. And I literally said from the stands with, with a couple of fans, I said, what is the point of playing wing backs when you've, we've got the ball on that side and you've actually got one player marking you and you know you've got the beating off because he already had it on early doors and he decides just to stop again. Like Why in his right mind, um, and I know we've seen it many times this season, has he not just hit the ball into the space of the 15, 20 yards ahead of him and then try to get a ball into the box. Yeah, it's just, I, I don't I, I don't know if it's it's just me or whether you, you two agree, but I don't think we ever struggle to start well. I think we always start games relatively well, but I think we're too easy to su- then suss out after that first five, 10 minutes of when we have a bit of a flurry. Like Leighton Orient to start with, I, I agree. I think we started really well for the first five, 10 minutes of football. Deal. We've, we've come into this and we look like we're up for it and we're, we might actually carry on from Bolton. But it was quickly apparent that they were actually starting to suss us out. And then as the half went on, they just grew and grew into the game. And we just seemed to go into our shells. Um, we started bypassing the midfield, just going long. We, I think even the commentator actually on Tangerine TV made a comment about the ball being knocked up to Dembele and was laughing at the fact mm-hmm. that he just mm-hmm. wasn't winning it. Um, it's just It's just so easy to play against week in, week out away from home and I feel like a bit of a broken record that I'm just saying the same thing but it, it, that is all we can say because we do the same thing time and time again and just going back to your point a minute ago as well actually you said that about the form, the system working and the system does work we've shown it works but the personnel needs to be right in that system for it to work and too many times now Critchley is picking the wrong personnel so the blame is at Critchley's feet Okay, the players aren't performing either, and they're getting the basics wrong, so they're as much to blame at times. But the spotlight has to be on Critchley for the personnel that he's picking. And like I say, when the tactics are so obvious that we're not just doing it on their own, they are going into games with the tactics of go long, go long, go long. There's nothing more to be said, really, is it? It's just abysmal. And Tuesday night was just another example of that. Like I say, we had wing backs that weren't being utilised. We have players like Dembele on the pitch where we were going long to him as if he was some sort of Nikola Zigic reborn. It was just ridiculous. It was just mind-winning. How did you feel at half-time, 
Mark, was it was it one of these ones where he said we're still in it? The second half needs to be a little bit better, or did did you think much of the same was going to happen? Well, I'm just a stupid optimist because I just kind of went, you know what? They had a couple of chances and they didn't quite take them. I wasn't impressed with Leighton Orient at all, and I just thought this game is there for the taking. And you know, you must have thought the game is there for the taking. Every Blackpool fan should have thought the game is there for the taking. With that doubt in your mind that we probably won't take it and we didn't and the players are it's there it's all there for them you know they're not playing against great opposition um it it's it just mind-boggling the fact that then the second half though they completely and utterly disappeared we've seen this that we've seen that half of football so many times from this blackpool side away from home where we had a good 10 like that pal says 10 15 minute spell it didn't work out and as Crixley said in his interview we seem to accept things too easy there's players in that team that just go, oh, oh it didn't work out. We, we didn't score. Oh, oh, they've conceded. Oh, oh, God. And that's it. No reaction. No no oomph. No drive to get back in the game. No. I just, yeah. So it should have been there at heart. A, a better side or a side with a better mentality would have absolutely, they would have run right against Leighton Orient, I think. A side with a better mentality. Our mentality is all stay in the game and keep it tight. And oh, a nil nil might be all right here, but it wasn't all right, was it? Because we needed to win that game and we ended up with nothing. So, but yes, at half time, it was there for the taking, definitely. I won't ask you how you felt about the second half. Um, are we we starting to see, um, and I'm still a massive advocate of Carl Joseph, but are we seeing the less? clinical player that we probably expected are we seeing someone that probably is a league one striker at the time being um, again I don't want to put the blame on him but when a game needs someone other than Dembele the poor sod um, we we haven't oh, we haven't got it have we this is the cut and dry of it really he, he, I think he has Peterborough him and Lavery one of the main reasons we, we sort of stayed in the game because they were relentless but when he can't find himself in a game it's almost like, not he's not playing, but it's almost like we needed someone else there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think when the midfield has been as poor as it is, I struggle to lay so much blame on the strikers because they just end up as a, just an isolated figure up top. Um, so I'm always a little bit reluctant to blame strikers too much. Like I know Beasley gets quite a bit of stick from some, of the, some sections of the fan base. And Joseph's had his fair share of criticism as well over the course of the season. Um, I don't think there was much those two could have done up front, personally. They weren't getting the ball. We were just aimlessly lumping it to them. Um, It just needed better quality behind them and better service for them to have any sort of chance. They were just feeding on the scraps. They were chasing down loose balls with no one, no options within 20 yards of them. So I do agree. I think he's very raw even in the games that we've played well. Um, he's not the finished product by any stretch of the imagination. But in games like that, I'm not not keen on lay, blaming him too much because I just think he is being hung out to dry when the service is so bad behind him. Yeah, I, I would agree. He 70% pass success. He only had 17 touches of the ball. Um, and he won three out of five of his aerial duels. And a bit like Beasley as well, he was feeding off scraps and Although stats said he wouldn't have had a a massively strong game, he only had thirty odd touches of the ball as well. Um, you know, thirteen duels on the on the pitch up front, which just says you know he was he was battling a little bit in there. But like you said, the midfield, I think I think Bayer showed 
his quality at points. There was a pass where he half volleyed it. I don't know if you remember it. Yeah. Pinged across the Straight pitch. Out Hamon. And, that, and that should set up another move, but then Hamon takes one or two touches and then slows the ball down completely. And it wasn't ferocious at all. It was just like, thanks for that. That was just a, an exquisite pass that we haven't seen in a in a tangerine shirt all season, really, um, apart from Norbert against Burton in the first game where I think he nuts a player and put it through, didn't he? But yeah. we haven't seen that creativity and that excitement in the midfield for a while and just having the ability to have that on the pitch kind of just shows that, you know, Baez is probably a level above of where we are and the signing itself, again, was excellent, but Norburn has one in two, one or two out of ten really good games and he wasn't at it again. Um, Tuesday and then Dembele, like I said, is has been expected to to play against four or five in midfield, either the ball played to his chest or just passed to him from about five yards and expected to do something. And in League One, that doesn't happen. In in, in the Championship, doesn't happen. And in League Two, that doesn't happen. You can't just give the ball to someone. This isn't FIFA. Start doing rainbow flicks and getting into the box and having a shot. It, it, naturally, Dembele is going to find himself really short of ideas when he hasn't got the intelligence around him to. To, to, to help him um, and it's only been at points this season you know at home and run 3 or 4 nil, or um, even even Bolton you know when he found himself in a position where he could have had a shot he passed it across to Gabriel and, and wrapped up the game he's clearly a very intelligent player but he's playing with players a, a, a lot less smart and, and a lot less I don't know the word really just instinctive so to speak it's very rigid and, 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 and yeah. formatted isn't it very Mars, robotic where, is it it, it, and it is, and it is, it's, it's so, it's so frustrating. We've said this too many times, haven't we, Martin, this season? Where w- w- it has to be from Critchley. Um, we we spoke about at the top of the show. We haven't got the options potentially to pay five three two or three five two. Sorry, um, so, to maybe try something different, but you can't because you haven't done it for thirty eight games or thirty seven games this season. So we, you know the the long term effects of not having a plan B is when you need a plan B to, to be plan A, you haven't got it. And when Lyons goes down injured, which we'll come on to in a second, he puts virtue in the position. Well, I know he didn't have many yeah. options on the bench, but it just it just proves a point, doesn't it? He still, he still had others that could have come in and he, and, he, and he put virtue there instead of changing formation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, there's just a blind stubbornness, isn't there? Um, that that what I, you know, what, what I'm working on, lads, is what we're, what we're going to use and, and and um, you know you will fit into this system. I'll I'll put round square pegs in round holes if I have to. I have to say, and you just mentioned his name is that another another. I hate I don't like singling out individuals. I really don't. But when there's so much expected of certain individuals, I have to say that once again, Ollie Norburn was so disappointing. He seems more bothered about snarling around, criticising everybody else for for a cock up, rather than kind of getting his own head up and 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 sorting himself out. He looks really unhappy. He looks like someone who doesn't enjoy football and doesn't want to be here. I don't know what you guys think, but his overall body language looks like, even in an interview when we've won, maybe he's not just a very happy person, but he looks he looks like the world's ended, even though we've won a game. He just looks permanently angry. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like just, I, I don't know what it is with him, but he's disappointing, I think. He's not consistent, and you're only as good as your midfield, I would say. Your midfield's poor, and you've got no chance whatsoever. Just on that point, I'll come to you, pal. I think I've said I said today in the group. I think we talked. <laughs> I could have done the pod this morning with with the group chat. To be fair, I just left it on the screen because I think we all had some excellent points. The whole of whole of the the group chat were just given their two pence worth, and 
I kind of just made the point, whereas this this whole team has had the life sucked out of them. I think Norburn's unhappy because we're poor. We're really poor. And it's easy to say we're eighth or ninth now. Um, but, you know, we should be should be potentially be happier. But we're only ninth because we've beaten predominantly poorer sides at home and picked up the odd win away. Was it four wins away, four draws, seven or eight defeats now? You know, the polar opposite to the home form. Um, but when we have played some teams that wanted it a little bit more at home, we've we've come unstuck a little bit like your derbies who had that intelligence to make three or four subs and just catch us, didn't they? Or three subs, sorry, and just catch us. I think they made like a triple sub and scored two in like five minutes. And Northampton, we weren't at it. They were smart enough. I know it's a poor mistake, but those sort of games where you've kind of come unstuck when the teams wanted it a little bit more rather than being two or three nil up and the team not coming really to play at Bloomfield Road. But there is no way on earth that, you know, the Dembele's of this world, the Norburns of this world, the Byers of this world, Lavery, Joseph, Gabriel... Even Marv's, um, they they don't want to play football. I'm sorry, but I'm still under the impression that this this squad is absolutely top five, top six worth. Um, and I actually think with the right system, with roads fit, you know, we we'll be pushing for top three. You can call me stupid, but Pompey have got one hell of a side. But Derby are inconsistent. Oxford have shown no matter how many signings you make and the quality they've got, they're inconsistent. You know, Stevenage have showed when you've got an organised, resilient side that's an, are not afraid to attack at the right moments and a team that have been set up to do their job like Critchley's trying to do, sit comfortably in the playoffs and just win games 1-0, 2-0, a bit like Critchley's first tenure. You know, we, we are not hard to beat and we're not, finding games easy to win so that for me that that lies and i and i believe um and i might be wrong because i go to episode one go to my thoughts about critchley i was absolutely buzzing he was back i fell in love with the geezer first time around i didn't blame him for leaving i said he had a bit of a rough time in the other clubs but one way or the other where it's from external issues or it's trouble within the camp is it the players that are coming out of contract? I don't know. But I, I, for me, the system has sucked the life, confidence and fun out of this side because in the away end on Tuesday, there's people on their phones for a good 20, 30 minutes and, you know, try to get a song going, but the, the players are giving them nothing to, to, to sing about, are they? No, the, the, I don't think this... I think I can't remember whether we had the conversation last week, whether it was on the pod or off the pod. Um, but there just doesn't seem to be many characters in this squad. Um, you've got the likes of Joseph and Gabriel, which I think we mentioned show the passion and the energy when when we score and they're giving it to the North Stand and the fist pumping while after celebrating. Um, but on the whole, but like you say, I don't think it looks like a happy camp. I know Critch will come out and say we've got a group of really nice lads and everyone gets on and they're sat and everyone all pulling together, which is just the general sort of manager PR nonsense that they roll out. Um, but- two things about that, isn't there? When when you haven't got a special squad that can't show the fans that they're special, they're not special. Yeah, um, exactly. And he's hardly going to say we're unhappy because, uh, you know, I hate sex, he was on the pod last week, but Holloway, we, we didn't need Holloway to tell us that group was special, did we? No. Those players you, you showed us, We sh- they showed the players, they showed the fans, they showed each other that they loved each other and they want to win. And Martin's already said it, when we go 1-0 down, they might as well be playing hopscotch. Because yeah, it's just give a toss. And, and going even a little bit further as well, even on the games that we do win, I think I noticed after Bolton, there's 
there's a lot of players of our players that are on social media and they'll be posting about the tracksuits or the jackets that they're selling or anything else. But not many of them posted about the win after Bolton, which all right, maybe sounds a little bit pedantic and maybe a little bit silly, but maybe I am reading too much into it. But for me, if you was you had a group of players that were really united and really buzzing and they had that link with the fans and we'd just come out of a four one win against one of the team's best team one of the one of the league's best teams, sorry. Surely they'd be showing a bit and giving it a oh come on, fans are great, great win, let's kick on now. And there just doesn't seem to be any of that. And even when the fans are celebrating at the end, the players come over and give a bit of a crack, uh, give a bit of a clap, and yeah, come on. But there's not much life, and I think that has come from the manager and from the tactics because it seems like the energy is being completely sucked out of them. I know when I'm watching games, I'm not overly infused whilst watching. I'm sort of going through the motions and watching a game of football, but I'm not finding myself sitting there and fully engrossed in the football and. I'm quite happy to pull my phone out and check my bets, to be honest with you, because it's not like I'm going to miss too much on the pitch, is it? Um, so I think, like you say, it's, it starts with the manager, it's trickled down from him, and um, whether it's the system, whether it's the attitude, whether it's the players out of contract, like you say, I think it's probably a mix of both, but first and foremost, it comes down from the manager for me, and there just isn't that link with this team as there was last time on Critch's first spell with us, I don't think. No, I can name you the starting 11, not starting 11, but like the squad from the League One Championship era, you know, the championship when Keshi scores that screamer against Sheffield United and the, all the players ran over to that away end, didn't they? And yeah. they were cuddling and screaming. Like you said, afterwards, social media was full of it. Now you get O'Donnell, Grimshaw, um, I think Marv's on the odd occasion when he did it a lot under Critchley's first tenure, even under... Dare I say his name? It's been a few months, Martin. But even under Appleton or, or or McCarthy, when we got a win, you see five or six players just said, "Look, we need to be, you know, be better." I'm glad we got the win, sort of thing. Or even a, even a, you know, from Patino saying, "Oh, sorry, you know, sorry for traveling fans, whatever." There's none of it this year, and I don't want to. Be, I don't want my players to say sorry after after making some mm. effort. But this year, they're not only not on the face of things trying that hard. They also couldn't give a shit, and it and it's really it's heartbreaking. Really, it do, feels do you know like what? It feels it feels like we're fifteenth, yeah. Martin. It feels yeah. like we're fifteenth, sixteenth yeah. in the league. Yeah, and it each does. week we're just trying to get the game done. And I'll tell you what, what I would say. Ryan, shame. On on reflection, and and as I say, I always say I'm so optimistic and I'm full of it. Every you know, every start of every season, I'm going to be really honest. I don't know how you lot, how you guys feel. I think we've overhyped this squad that we've got. I don't think it is as good as as as, as we think it is. And the reason for that okay. is, when I look at the 2021 squad that got us promoted, I, I don't think some of our squad are fit to lace their boots. Kevin Stewart, for all his criticisms and his fallouts with players on social media, when Kevin Stewart was fit and paired up with Kenny Dougal, that you know, Kenny uh, Kevin Stewart was a, was a former four million quid footballer. Jurgen Klopp, I think, said was one of the best tacklers he'd, he'd, he'd had at the club for the brief time he was there with him. And he was a really, he, he controlled midfield. Kenny was absolutely at the top of his game when we got him. Jerry Yates, Daniel Ballard, Sims, Keshi Anderson, you know, CJ when he's actually played in his proper position. When I look at this team, is it? It's, I don't think it's anywhere near as good at the same level of football. And I don't think we have the same leaders or the same characters. Even though people, someone like Oliver Turton, he was a winner and knew how to defend. And he, and he, but we played a four four two. Obviously, we played a far less complicated uh, formation, where I'm sure the players were much happier playing that than the ones we've got now. But but genuinely, if you put that side up against this side, I know which one I'd rather watch. One hundred percent. 
Uh, and I, mm. I agree. And I, I, I hate for me to, to to contradict myself, but playoffs, in my opinion, when you look at the Stevenage squad now, they Matt already said it, didn't he? All those players have experienced promotion, and they know what it takes to win. But they do play a system which. I keep seeing them on social media every single bloody week where <laughs> Steve Evans... But they're unique, though. Given. They're like the Cambridge United of 30 years well, they're, No, but they're, they're not unique because League One isn't about anything else other than what they're doing, which is being organised, finding a way to win and fighting for every single ball on that pitch, which we don't do. Now, you're yeah, telling me, and I absolutely, I, know, I, absolutely, I absolutely understand that Ballard, Sims, Yates, etc., that they're nowhere near... Sorry, this squad's nowhere near... But I absolutely think you start the, our best 11 most weeks um, in a 4-4-2 or 4-3-3 four, four, or a 5-3-2 if he really wants to with Lions, with Gabriel, with Casey, with Marvs, with now Byers, but with Dougal, whoever at the time, with Norburn, who, please go back to when he first signed, and there was 10 clubs saying, why didn't we go and get him? You know, why is he not in the championship? Pennington, who Birmingham wanted, chose us or chose Blackpool for one, one reason or the other. Um, and, and the strikers, you know, when we got Joseph, Lavery, etc., that you, I'm telling you now, if we played them in the right positions with the right mentality, we finish in the playoffs. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind. And the reason I believe I'm correct is because of the away form. If we had seven wins away from home this season, we'd be fourth would be third. So you can't tell me the squad isn't good enough. I'm not saying you're not, I'm saying, I know you're comparing squads, but you can't tell me they're not good enough because if they turned up away from home, we'd arguably be fighting for top two. Well, it's they might not, okay. It's I, I, literally a chalk and cheese. Character-wise though, char- you show your true character when you turn up at Stevenage or turn up at Leighton Orient and get stuck in and these guys don't do it. Whereas the other team would have done. They, they had some amazing away wins and kept on doing it home and away. The, no, this uh, lot... And I, have the character though. No, no, I absolutely so, agree. And this is exactly you can be as talented point. as you want in, on paper, but if you've not got that drive and determination to put it into and get stuck into a game, what are you doing? This is what you're doing. Is my exact, this is my exact point. They, they are good enough, but their life and their confidence, for whatever reason, and I, and I don't, I don't know the reason. But the, the longer the, these this goes on, the, the longer I don't trust Critchley, and the longer the longer I don't like this squad. Mm bar four or five and I think it's a crying shame because come the end of the season and we lose Grimshaw we lose Gabriel we lose well not Lions now fingers crossed it'll be okay again play football again but we'll lose the players that do care and we'll we'll then have to do another rebuild in League One and have to spend money which we won't do um, and we'll find promotion even harder because we, we need to sign the right players and the recruitment in the last five years hasn't done or four years sorry hasn't done us any justice when it comes to saying we've got a strategic plan when it comes to signing players because we haven't we haven't got a we haven't got a plan we haven't got a plan we've signed well um you know through the windows but we haven't been consistent with building something so this is my point we'll we've we've gone through quite a lot of um points that i already wanted Mm. to go through um Hold, hold, hold that notion there just a bit. I just, the, 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 the last thing I really wanted to talk about from the game is, uh, pal, I'll go with you. Um, Jordan Gabriel, 
Um, I want to link this in with, with Critchley's comments after the game. So the game finishes, we all assume he's either because of a yellow card or, or an injury that Gabriel gets taken off because he was one of our bright sparks and actually thought he's made a substitution at halftime. I wonder who's come off. It was Gabriel, um, one of the most talented players on the pitch. And it might be tactical because he's got a yellow. Um, if he wants to be that cautious about it, he's never done that again this season, has he? When a wing-back's been booked. So he's not made his half-time substitution apart from against Bolton last week when we had two injuries. He's, he's asked the question, why did Gabriel go off? He kind of stares into space and just says the word tactical and then just stares at the report or stares into space like he couldn't give two hoots. There was no no elaboration on it. There was no reasoning for it. It's like Gabriel potentially questioned what we were doing. Maybe spoke up at halftime and thought, all right, sling your rook. You're off the pitch. That's how it felt to me after the game and listening to Critchley. I've never seen such an arrogant, self-righteous interview where he's, again, not give two hoots about the another performance with a no-shots-on-target. Like, it's <laughs> like he's, he's lost the plot. I, I, if the port, he did it at Cheltenham. He did it at, I think, Port Vale. He's done it several times, again, when we've had performances like that. Where he's kind of said that, oh, um, uh, 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 the players didn't want it type thing, the constant errs, the constant oh, we need to be better. It's it's unacceptable. It's absolutely unacceptable. Not just the Gabriel comment, but we're coming to Wellens's comments. But his post-match interviews epitomises what he does on the pitch. They're clueless, absolutely clueless. It was Cheltenham where he says, if I knew what was wrong at halftime, I would have changed it. There isn't a tactic that you can convince me of on this planet where taking off probably our most attacking, biggest attacking threat by Dembele is a worthwhile substitution. Unless he is injured and his leg is hanging off, you do not take Gabriel off. He is the best right right back in this league or right wing back in this league for me. Game after game, he puts challenges in, he drives us up the pitch. He's happy to finish at Bolton. He finished like Rosewood. He finished like a striker. He is unbelievable and I'm telling you now he will not be here after this summer because we will cash in on him to try and balance that spreadsheet and he will go for two to three million pound without question but there's not a chance that does. any manager no other manager in this league will take Gabriel off in that position you're nil-nil away at Leighton Orient no other manager in this league takes Gabriel off and that response to that interview was so arrogant it was unbelievable Is it's like he's getting more and more arrogant as his interviews go on because he feels he's like it, it feels like he's digging in, he's digging his heels in because it's like, well, I'm right. I've got these super badges. You haven't. Piss off. And that's what it stinks of. There is no way you take off Gabriel. It, there's just not a chance you take him off. I don't understand what was going through his head. Tactical is a nonsense. If he's on a yellow, he's on a yellow. You leave him on, you take the gamble. If he gets another one, he gets sent off. Okay, you miss him for a game. But he is a, he is a massive cog in the team, in how we play and how we play well. There's no way you should be taking him off. Not a chance in his response, which is bollocks. Sorry for swearing on, on the pod. I know we don't do it often, but that's all it was. And Critchley, like I say, he's getting worse and worse as interviews. And like you said before, I was buzzing when he came back because I loved him first time around. The minute Appleton left, or Dobby left, sorry, um, and he wasn't obviously getting it, I wanted Critchley back. But I'm just at the point now where he has to go. And I know we're going to come on to it with his comments, but Sadler has obviously ruled that out. But I just can't see any way how Critchley can go on like this. It's just, it's unacceptable. There's two things for me, really. I don't know if you agree, Martin. Um, 
I'd love, I generally would love Sadler, uh, Sadler, Critchley to turn up on Saturday against Shrewsbury and, you know, win 3 0 and, and kick on. But even if we win 8 0, I'm not confident the following away game or home game will turn up again. And that's the rod he's made for his own back. And I'm sorry for any fan that, that you can have anger, you can have frustration towards the referee. But I think once this season, and it was after Cheltenham, he said at Peterborough, we've got to get it right because I picked the team and I've got to get it right. It's the only time I can remember him saying that he potentially made a mistake. Smirking when been asked a question where your side has turned up again and had no shots on target to a team that's got seven injuries as a 20 and 19-year-old up front. Um, injuries in the midfield, late in Orient this is, um, who have been battling their way through games, have just lost to Burton at home, have they lost to Barnsley in the last minutes by conceding two in 30 seconds or whatever it was. To not have a shot on target is would sack any manager again in this league when you put in a performance like that away from home. Clearly is fairly untouchable at the moment because it's what Sadler believes in. And if he's our own and he says it, then we've got to be with it. But as fans, we, we're the only people questioning what he is doing, not only tactically, but the players. You know, if if it was me, just have a shot from the halfway line. Get a shot on target, for Christ's just sake. The, the, the fact you're happy to not shoot. I mean, the second, first half, there were some really poor shots from the edge of the box that went just wide. And I know we missed some good opportunities, but you can't dismiss Burton. You can't dismiss Cheltenham. We don't have a shot in the first half at all, not even wide. Um, that's happened too many times this season for him to still be in the job. And that, that called me mental, criticised me all he want about the podcast, but I'm sorry. People who didn't want Dobby initially, what? tell me Tell me the differences Dobby would make. Would, would, he, would he bring us down? Would, would we be relegated under Dobby with this team? I think my answer is 99% no, unless a freak incident of inability to, to manage, even though he showed in the championship he could. What, what is the difference? What do you see in Critchley this season that's going to change next season? Because we're um, now in a position where next season we need a rebuild. If we don't go up, we still could win nine or ten in a row. I get it. We still could do something. But I'm talking like if we're not, we lose. Potentially Gabriel, like Powell said. We potentially lose Grimshaw. You know, he's level above League One, in my opinion. We may lose even someone that's signed recently. If Andy Lyons is fit, does he stay? Who knows? We do, you know, there could be a handful of players we miss out on. And I haven't now got the confidence to say we'll go and sign a, a promotion winning team. Yeah, there's a lot to go on there. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think if we rewind just slightly back to what to what we were saying about Critchley and, and his interviews, I think sometimes people. I don't think that when managers, and, and Critchley is a, a great example, I don't think they always say what they really feel. Um, I I don't think it's great either for a manager to come out and blame himself every single week. Because if you do, you basically... You, you, if you were managing something and you just came out every week when something didn't go out, so yeah, it's my fault, it's my fault, it's my fault, it's my fault. No. If I did that in my job, my, my boss would look at me and go, oh, for, you know what I mean? I think he masks what he really feels some, sometimes. I think it gets, it gets misconstrued and mis interpreted as yeah there is some stubbornness and there is some arrogance but I think really deep down he's seething he did say didn't he he said he said when when bad things happen too many of the players just seem to accept it and he's right and we said said before he said that in the FA Cup I now know what the problem is 
He said that after Bromley, whoever it was in the FA Cup we beat, he said, I know yeah, we've got a mentality issue and I'm going to work on that now. Yeah, he has got a mentality ago. issue, but the only way he's going to sort this... If, if he's staying, though, I know, but if he's staying, the only way you're going to change that mentality is is to change the personnel and have and, and we'll have a big turnover of players in the summer. Now, see, I, I look at this slightly differently. I think there are some players that are going at the end of the season that are on quite big wages, and I think it will free up the money. I don't think you need to spend an awful lot in League One, but what he needs to do is recruit the right characters. And I know we're going to talk about the future in a bit, but, but he needs to recruit the right characters. If we assume that he's not going to go anywhere, and it looks like from the comments from the owner he isn't going to go anywhere, then he's going to have to rely on excellent recruitment. I think the recruitment team is better than it was anyway. I, I think you've got to give David Downs a chance. Um, I, I think he's, you know, the only reason George Byers is in, in that team is because David Downs persuaded him to come here. I'll tell you that for a fact. So, so I think I think the recruitment might be better than some people think. I think we're all scarred by the last few transfer windows. I think it'll be better. I'm not saying it'll be amazing. I think it'll be better. But I just think he needs the right characters in. But he needs to review this season, no matter where we finish, and, and look at it and go, yeah, actually, I was I was too stubborn. But my personal opinion with Crixley is I think he's a bit jaded. I see this with a lot of football managers. I think he's had too many jobs in a short space of time and probably needed a bigger break than he had. And I, and I just think that he... A bit like Grayson, when we got him, he'd, he'd been to so many jobs, hadn't he, before we got him, and then he went to a couple more afterwards. Managers go straight back in too quickly sometimes. I think he he had a, a great settled job here, you know, got got attracted by Aston Villa and the and the and the you know massive wage increase. Went there, didn't work. Then went to QPR and got absolutely stung there. And then he comes back here quite quickly. And I wonder if he just is a bit jaded with it all. And he don't think he's the greatest in interviews when things aren't going well. I think it's great when no, things no, are going No, don't get me wrong, Martin. He, he isn't. Yeah. But no. that's the ninth or tenth time where he's got an opportunity to say something different. And saying things like at Cheltenham, I didn't know what was going on at, wrong at halftime, so I didn't change mm. it. And, you know, just smiling his way through a very difficult period for the for the club. I say difficult period. You know, we're not in any trouble in that sense. But I don't know if he's tired. Well, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm being too harsh, but... I just, I'm, I'm no. We're right to demand more. Listen, we're right but to demand more. I was it, furious it, after the Peterborough game, as you know, and and the late Norwich game, maybe less so. But the Peterborough game, I was absolutely furious because of his stubbornness and his. And I'm not. I'm really not defending him. I think. I think he probably does think. Uh, I think he, he he don't he doesn't always say what he thinks. And I think he. he, he I, I don't know. He, he, he probably sees the same that we do, though. That these guys. For, for all the, you no, know, it's not that great at home. The home record is, is you can't ask for much more in League One. You can't ask for much no, more can't. than what our home no, record can't. is, can you? But unfortunately, there's been about 10 games away from home this season where they've chucked in almost an identical crappy performance. And that's the, it's 10 games. It's, it's about six too many. You could have three or four like that. You can't have 10. And that's why we're, we are where we are. We've seven or eight away now. I've drawn four and one four. I think it's okay. four, four, seven. Right. So okay. you're talking. Yeah. That yeah. there isn't an away win unless you correct me, pal. Where yeah. we've been in the game? No, I agree. I mean, even away defeat, an away defeat where we've been in the game. Um, yeah, maybe Burton because it was you know just a poor game. Cambridge maybe because we weren't one new up. It's just been a repeat of. The same, like Martin. There's said, been about five identical, identical. Yeah. too many yeah. occasions yeah, where the same thing has happened. It, it isn't acceptable to to do the same thing no. over and over, make the same mistakes Obviously. over and over. Um, and it's just as simple as that. You can't keep making the same mistakes. Yeah, Chris has to look at himself. The players have to look at themselves. 
Um, but no matter what, like you say, you can't lose that many away games and expect to be in the playoffs. It just it isn't going to happen. It it just isn't. When you've got the likes of Portsmouth, Derby, Barnsley, Bolton in the league with you, who are all going to be challenging in that top four, if you're losing seven away games, you are not going to make the top six. All right, you might, you're right, or maybe correct myself a little bit, you might sneak six, but you're not going to get promoted. Not when there's teams with a lot more consistency and better players. It's, it's as simple as that at the end of the day. And the recruitment needs to be looked at as well, like was just mentioned, because it hasn't been good enough. When you, you've got the likes of Carey, Virtue, Beasley, not to dig Beasley out because I quite like him, but Beasley isn't good enough either. Um, there's too many players in this team that aren't good enough. Um, there has been good signings under, under Sadler. And there's I been some good signings, but Sadler's been a, record I think there's been a few. If you, look at, if you look at the first season League One, Martin's already said half those squads. And and arguably in the championships here, there was some half decent, some woeful ones as well. But you know, and then you've had this season where I actually thought no one complained about the recruitment when Bennington and Norburn and a few others signed. Um, and no I, one really I did. did. I know that's might have come as a surprise. It was, maybe it wasn't enough. Don't get me wrong. But then. I, we started off really well. We started off like yeah, we were going to absolutely fly at the Yeah, no, I agree with that. But what I mean is the quality of the likes of when we signed Norburn and Pennington and then you get Dembele and then you get, uh, don't get me wrong, Rhodes potentially looked uninspiring at the time, but it turned out to be a, a masterstroke when he's fit. But, and I just, like I I'm said... I'm talking about permanence. Sorry. But I, no, no, I understand that, but it's still, it's still recruitment. Like Blackpool's promotion... We're meant to have this model where still. we're buying young and we're developing them and then selling them on for a profit, but... Yeah, I know. And I think what was it a couple of years ago? Maybe Sadler kept harping back to, oh, "We want to copy the Brentford model. We want to copy the Brighton model." Those but, models don't happen unless you put money in to begin with. You're not going to get a Josh Bowler every single year where you get him for free and sell him for four or five million quid. That's just not the reality of football. It's not football manager, is it? It's you have. But to if he sells Grimshaw and Gabriel, he'll make a profit. So you could argue that he's followed that model and done exactly what he said he was going to do. Yeah, but it's then whether or not he puts that money back in to bring in the next Gabriel and Grimshaw, isn't it? But uh, yeah, it is. I, I just also think we're not having this type of conversations if he did his job properly and just picked the strongest <laughs> lineup away from home and had a plan. Correct. If we if we said <laughs> three, three points off the playoffs and we're still quite excited by the rest of the season, it's still been a fairly decent one. But because it, of the it, yeah, it's actually a little bit. It, the, I don't care. That I do, and... This week after week, I don't care. We're not. I don't. I don't care if we're ninth if we've been in games this season. It's the manner of the defeats, which is really... But yeah, I think it's put us back It's the ease season. of which we lose, isn't it? It's the ease of which we are... Of, of how, we're so easy to play it's against that we're, we're, we're like a full, season. We're a foregone conclusion, aren't we, away from home? That's what we are. Yeah. It, it has put us back another season because we, we do and will need yeah. another rebuild. And we haven't got... We've got time to rebuild, but the experts... We'll come on to Sadler's interview now just after... I just want to say the, the, this performance was surmised really well, um, Powell, wasn't it, by Wellens, who said we didn't yep. need to play football tonight to win the game. We just wanted it more and we just had to do the basics right and then we'd win the game. And he said about the squad previous, about being a promotion winning squad, but then he said, you know, we didn't have to play football tonight, just get the ball in behind and try to make opportunities. And we did that. And we even said we weren't great ourselves. We just needed to try harder. And they did. Um, it's funny. Just, I think if you listen to that, what was it? I think it was like a three-minute clip, wasn't it, that Stevenage put out? Uh, Stevenage, Leighton Orient put out, and it was just the perfect summary. You could almost just play that. It was, it was, it was tactical. It was energetic. It was, it was, about. it was, yeah, it was insightful, um, and he knew exactly what he was going to do from the off. And you know, 
that game just got worse and worse and worse. He's actually quite honest on. as well. He didn't try to big himself up like he's come up with some master stroke in his tactics or anything. It was just that my team have gone out there, we've done the basics right, and we've won a game of football. It's it was as simple as that. And he's a little bit of a shitbag, is Wellens, but I, I would absolutely love him to be our manager because the way he talks, he's got that accent, he's got that Mancuni accent, and he just the way he says things sounds a little bit cocky at times, which riles up the opposition fans. I just wish we had a little bit of a spark like that because I'd love to listen to him and see other fans getting wound up by his comments because I, I think I said it in the in the uh, group chat, didn't I? We just we haven't got any knobheads in our team that wind people up. We're just too nice. We're too happy to be played. Too, too happy to let people have the ball, and we don't want to hurt them, so we don't take them out on the counter attack to stop them attacking. Doesn't feel like we're there for each other though either. That's no, the, that's the sad thing. I think someone like Wellens for me. I, I think the noise he was making around the game. To be honest with you, I think if I think I said it last week, if you wanted and offered him the job, he'd take it in a heartbeat. Up it, and he'd come up here no problem at all. Or, or in, recruitment, by the way, is exceptional. If you look at their last or ten signings, and the likes of El Mazzuni and O'Neill, and even Shaq Ford, who scored like eight or nine goals already this season, they've they've signed exceptionally well, both from and non-league clubs and, and higher up as well. Like They've got a model where they, they're buying exactly who they need. Uh, we just, I don't know. We well, just buy who we can get. Yeah. Anyway. Rather than what we need. 50-odd minutes in, and I feel like we've done the same thing <laughs> again. But <laughs> therapeutic each week, listeners. And if, you know, thanks, thanks for carrying on to listen it's to our talks. therapy anyway, isn't it? 100%. Um, right, Mark, we'll come on to the Sadler interview. Um, I don't know your initial... Initial thoughts on it. I think when I first started to listen, I started to enjoy it, so to speak. It was nice to see him. It's nice to see him speak to Basie. I think Basie's the one of the only ones which you said earlier on that will question mm. things. And he really, yeah. whether he meant to or whether he he eyed yeah, he teed Critchley up, which I don't think he did at the start of the season. He isn't afraid to actually ask questions. He asked yeah. questions about money. He asked questions about his mentality and his want and his everything else. So I thought the interview was was good. I don't necessarily agree with everything Sadler said, but it started off with with Sadler explaining how obviously happy he was at Blackpool, but there was a caveat to that. And if, if someone has money and thinks they can do a better job, offer me money, basically, wasn't it? There was that kind of immediate yeah. um, saying from him. Yeah, and look, I'd probably be the same if you know, because Simon Sadler is all of us, but with a lot of money, isn't he? You know, and I, I, you know, I know he cares about the club, and I know he's a Blackpool fan. But yes, if somebody came along and could guarantee that Blackpool's future would be better under them than it would under him, then you'd have to talk to them, wouldn't you? Um, the interview, I'm glad he did it. It does make me wonder the, about the power of the pod because our pod was questioning where he was, and I said he was invisible. I'm not saying he did it because of me, but obviously not. But the other podcast as well, we have to say that they they wanted to hear from him, and all lo and behold, he does an interview with Radio Lanks. Um, you know, at least he was I'm maybe listening. I don't believe that's a coincidence. Um, so so obviously, you know, we, we know we know he listens. Hi, Simon, if you're listening, you know, good choice. Um, but please come on. Please come on, yeah, have a chat. You don't probably don't like us now, though, because we've, we've been a little bit critical. But look, if you come um, on, I won't come on, Simon. I know, I know you don't like me. <laughs> oh, bless. anyway, please. But no, I'm look, trying. I was, I was, hap- I was happy with the with with the fact he's done an interview. Um, it, I, I didn't see anything in there that I didn't really expect. Um, he, he seems quite content. But I'm sure he's also very frustrated. And yes, he's he's putting some some of his own money in, which which you kind of have to do if you're an owner, as we said before we came on air. But I thought it, there was no great surprises in there. But he looks like a man to me who has got a bit fed up with all the upheaval 
because obviously he put the comment in about you know if if if, if Critch doesn't get us promoted this season, he'll have to do it next season. That suggests to me somebody who's gone. Do you know what? Unless something goes really, really, really terrible here, I, I don't want to sack another manager. I don't want to go through it again. All the upheaval. I'm not here for it. And also, I think he would look very foolish, or he thinks probably he'd look very foolish if he got rid of Crixley after you know. And he even alluded to it in the interview that yes, he said I've had a bit of criticism for getting a a recruitment or a or an anal, an, an analyst company or whatever to come in and kind of recommend him. But he did that, and ho- having followed that process. He obviously doesn't want to be found out as somebody who's sacked another manager because he's he's been through too many four and a half years and he's been through he's been through too many staff we'll in, in every level of football club. Too many CEOs. He said, he said too many CEOs, you know, um, managers and 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 you know he's 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 lost people along the way that he probably didn't want to lose. He's probably you know there was I forget his name, but the 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 other sporting director that was an obviously an absolute disaster. That he had to effectively get rid of because he was he was clearly Badland. done something that wasn't right. Chris Badland, Badland Chris Badland, yeah, I think he's is he Aberdeen now or somewhere? Um, yeah, he's so yeah, well, he's been through too many oh. staff and he's he didn't expect this, did he? It's not been a bowl of cherries, and I just think he looks like somebody who's kind of gone right. I'm I've settled for this now, and we need to try and make it work because the culture of football now is if things aren't working after six months, get rid of them. That's the, the way we're all in a mindset now, I think. And he's not going to follow that, whether we want him to or not. He's going to stick with him. And it just depends yeah. whether people want to get on board with that or vote with their feet and not go next season. It, it's it's personal choice, isn't it? Yeah, I think we've made it clear that we're happy with Critch providing he doesn't continue to do what he does, right? So, um, Pal, do you do you generally think Critchley is indispensable? Or do you think it will take five games going into next year if it does start a bit ropey and it affects season ticket sales and etc. And he, he will be who will be gone because ultimately I think Sadler's right and I think Martin's right. I think if you build, I actually really like David Downs and I like I've, I've liked some of the appointments we've made during Sadler's time. If I'm honest, I think sponsorships, um, community trusts, so on and so forth. I know it's all been there for many a year, but I do generally think he cares. And I think actually even Badlin at the time was was quite exciting. He's very analytical, etc. But my caveat to that is when you look at something that deals with AI, you don't look at characteristics and you don't, sorry, you don't look at personality. You can look at what ticks boxes and what is the right answer, but it doesn't give you a traditional football manager that makes you care. It, it says he's been promoted before. He could do it again, basically, is what the computer said or the analyst said, right? Yeah. Um, football isn't a game of, of numbers, is it? It's a game on the pitch of physical attributes and emotion. You can't take emotion out of football and expect that a spreadsheet or some sort of data analyst is going to give you the right result every single time, which is seemingly what that um, recruitment consultant or whatever it was that he brought in was done. Um, just before, on the, just on that point as well in the um, interview, I know obviously I give Sadler a fair bit of stick and criticism, and I'm not his biggest fan, but I don't think there's, there's not a single doubt in my mind that he does care about his football club and he wants the very best for it. I just don't think the application of, of his desires is the best that it could be um, but no I think like I say um, when it comes to things like the decision making like the appointments of Critchley or the signings of players I think we are too reliant and I mean he said it himself with obviously the way the recruitment company was used 
we're too reliant on numbers and spreadsheets and it's just not how football works you can't you can't work like that it's not how it ever works it's it, yeah it's just I don't. I don't even know how to explain it. Really, it's just well, it's we've, frustrating we've that sort of it's, I mean, if you could put you could put a spreadsheet together, and if you went to Stevenage, for example, Steve Evans would never in a million years be top of a list to recruit, but he's gone in there and look what he's done with that team. So it just shows that numbers and stats and this that, and the other aren't the be all and end all in football. And although yes, Critchley's done it before, I think like Mike said, he's a bit jaded, and I think maybe it was a bit of a gamble with him having another job so soon. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. as I said, the more I've listened to this and the more I think about it, I think Martin's point rings a bit true. I think we've seen Critchley, I think Matt Davenport said in the group, didn't he? Leaving us was probably, in hindsight, the worst thing he's ever done. Um, I always cast my mind back to that Sheffield United game where he is basically crying, isn't he? He wipes away tears or he, his bottom chin goes, or bottom lip goes, sorry. I always remember that because um, he got like criticism with a bit of banner for it, but I'll never forget that sort of, of connection he started to build with the club and at home it was fantastic. Um, and I think it was Wigan, a few others, when we've won in the last minute this season where he's, he's really let go and come over to the north and, you know, really you felt that again. Um, you know, and let's, let's have it, he's not him that created, you know, the fist bump second time around. The fans ultimately have, you know, started the oh and waited for it. Um yeah. You know, we just want to see that crit again, I suppose. And maybe it's hard to, to replicate. Maybe he does need a long sleep, as Martin said. Like maybe he needs a few weeks in Barbados and just chill out for a bit and then maybe come back with fresh ideas. But maybe he's got to the point where he doesn't know what to do for the rest of the season. Who knows? But there, there'll still be some fight from the team. It's just, I, I don't think we'll have it in us this season, obviously, to push on. But we're going off piste a little bit. Um, talk about the rest of the, the interview. Um, Martin. Hmm. He. This was obviously after the Peter Graham, but before Bolton, so we wouldn't have known these next last two results. Um, and he was still quite confident that he, we're still going to push for promotion. Do you still think he'd be feeling that after the, the last two games? Again, I have to say that you know, having you, you know, some some people, not that anyone really cares, but before in a, in a previous life, I was a journalist for ten years and I worked in PR as well, um, and I've and I've interviewed a lot of people, some famous, some not. And what I also have learned over that time is that a lot, again, people say things that they, or they, they, they often say things they don't really mean to obviously create an image. When, when Simon said, oh, it's the Blackpool way, it's the Blackpool way, I don't think he really thinks that that's some sort of formula that I think we've hit upon it and Blackpool done very well out of it, but I don't think that's a strategy that you can just be basically crap away from home for the vast majority of the season and then go on a ridiculous run. There's absolutely no strategy in that. That, that is pure coincidence circumstance and good luck a lot of it a lot of it is um so i i, I think he he says that to kind of be a little bit jovial about it but I, I don't really think he thinks that's likely i i can't believe he's sitting there thinking i really think we're going to do this i think he realizes that that, that really the, that ship has sailed this season I, I you know there's too many inconsistent performances and he's a he's a stats man and he's a he's a realist i think as well and i, I don't think he really thinks that the blackpool way of old times is going to work this season um, i think so to his credit that comment be, probably yeah. shows that he is as much of a fan as us exactly exactly that's the pattern that's the kind of uh, yeah let's the blackpool way like we all would but but we 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 actually are more analytical about about things than he is probably because we're not saying it's the blackpool way we might have been a few weeks ago now we're thinking nah Eighth, ninth, tenth. So I don't. I don't really think he thinks that. 
I think it's the it's the fan the fanboy like coming out of him going, Oh, I hope we do, but really we're not gonna. The, the, I don't the horrible thing about Blackpool and, and 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 this side almost is if we do win two or three nil on Saturday, I do say if, obviously. Doesn't I'm not too confident away from home, of course, but if we do can do what we did against Peterborough and then we beat Portsmouth, we're all of a sudden wanting plows again, aren't we, Val? <laughs> yeah, it's it's just typical, isn't it? We, we've we've spent because it, because it is the Blackpool way, and yeah, exactly. Like, I was about to say that like, that is what we do. I know, um, I can't remember who it was in the, in the group chat last week and said, Get your uh, get your money on the uh, Leighton Orient and Shrewsbury double because after beating Bolton, but I think he said that on Saturday night, that is the Blackpool yeah. way almost this season as well. But no, I think if we were to to somehow win again on Saturday night, to be honest, I do actually think we will win. On Saturday, so I'm <laughs> pretty confident of that. I just, I think Portsmouth might roll in and do and turn us over. To be honest with you, um, so I think it might actually be the other way around. But I wouldn't put it past us winning both games and, and then suddenly mm. being a point off the playoffs. Um, it's just then I think I saw something on Twitter the other day or X or whatever you want to call it. I think Stevenage and Oxford need to win six of their remaining games, whereas we need to win nine or ten. So we just need to completely somehow turn our form around for the season, which doesn't look likely based on stats, as Simon likes to talk about. But now, like I said, I am a big criti- critic of Sadler. I've not made any secret of that. But I think with his comments about the Blackpool way and being confident about the playoffs, I think that's his fanboy side coming out a little bit more. But fair play, he's probably living the dream, isn't he? He's only owning the football club that he su- supports. So Martin, he talked about his own money. Um, mm. And I can completely appreciate what he's doing and I think Bay's you know gave Blackpool fans more than he probably would have let on if he didn't ask the question of course he said it's going to cost me money either way um, because it costs us money to be in the league it costs us money to be out of the league whatever Um, that's a really loaded question really at this point with this team and how many weeks Mm. we've been doing this would it really be a good thing if we made playoffs anyway like would would after after this season, do you think one this squad or two, or do you think being in League One will actually do us some favours, so to speak? Because he's now settling in with his backroom staff. Like, how do you think he feels about that? I know how how fans we want instant success, but do you think it will do us some favours? Maybe give us another year in League One, signing some lesser quality needed players, spending less money, so to speak, and and build again under Critchley. Do you think that's what he sees it like, or? Because, you know, I don't know if, if going up would, would even be a good thing for us. It could be like Rotherham all over again. But I don't know the answer to that one. I just want better performances. But how do you think he's gonna, how, how do you think he feels about that situation? There's no currency being in League One. I think with the money that's coming in with the new EFL deal, if we go into the Championship, I mean, I don't believe there's ever a wrong time to go up because you don't have that cosy comfort blanket of knowing that if you don't do it this season, you, you can do it next season. It took Sunderland four years to get out of this league and they had average crowds of 35, 40,000 at this level. Yeah. No, no, I think um, I think he he would absolutely grab any opportunity to go up. He, we, You know, the, the TV, I mean, I believe the difference is what, I think the new Championship money would be about £10 million a season. I think the money we get in League One at the moment might go up to a million, million and a half. Is it something? The discrepancy is massive. If that isn't it, we, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's, if you're in League Two, God help you. I think you get about half a million, seven hundred and fifty grand or something. So no, there's not a bad time to go up. He will definitely want us to go up. You can't pick and choose when you go up, and I don't think there's ever a wrong time to go. Up. There might be in hindsight when you, if you look at Rotherham, bless them, they they go up, they go down, they go up, they go down. 
you know, they are the whipping boys. They are getting battered. It is embarrassing, but it wasn't great for us last season, was it? We were sort of in that sort of position where we were, you know, it's, the championship's a terrible place to be if you are if you are crap. You're prepared. Really yeah. crap. You know, um, as, as, a, as an infrastructure of the football club, you know, I look at Luton Town. I mean, Luton Town, you know, they've got an exceptional manager and exceptional bunch of players, but the infrastructure of that club wasn't set up to go into the Premier League, really, was it? Not really, but they've made that ground work for them. But but we we have some quirks that work for us when we went in the Premier League. But no, there's not a bad time. If we sneak in the players and go up, it's 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 the best thing that could happen to us. There's, there's no currency in staying in League One because he's got to put more of his own money in. If we got 10 million from the from the championship going up from, from the EFL, yeah, but he he would he would have a helping hand with that, wouldn't he? So, no, no, I'm. It's an expensive business running a football club in League One when you've got to keep sticking three, four million quid in every season. Pal, he does say he wants out of League One quite a few times. He says, "Is it?" Uh, Bays asks the question: "Is there anything you still need to be working on that you're not happy with?" Obviously, alluding probably to the training ground, the stand, which he does say. You know, the stand is on its way a few years and the training ground's a little bit after that. So you're looking at five or six years before they even promise, so to speak, isn't it? So, or even delivered on, should I say. So there's question marks around that at the moment, although you could argue they are on their way with the plan and permission, etc. But it's another it's another pod. He does say many times that he wants to be promoted. And when Bayes asks that question, he says, yeah, to be promoted because it's not complete yet. And that's what I want. Um, he also then says he's been fairly happy with this season. Does that smell of someone who's just watched us at Bloomfield Road quite a lot? Because he does say he's watched most away games. So I don't know how as a football owner, or more importantly a fan, as we've just gone through for the last 45, 50 minutes, you can be happy with this season so far. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think, well, no, you wouldn't like to think, I suppose. You could try and excuse the fact that he said he's enjoyed this season by saying that he's only watched the home games. But he did also then go and say that he's only missed one or two games a season overall. So... I'm not quite sure what he's been watching or whether he's maybe been getting tanked upon whiskey or something before he's been watching the games and that's when he's been enjoying himself. But I, I struggle to believe he's genuinely enjoyed this season with some of the... I know he's not going to say he's fuming with this season. No, he's but... not. He's not. And if there is a, a level of reality that you have to sort of afford him when he's talking to the media, he's not going to come out and criticise the likes of the, some of the grounds that we go to, like Stevenage and whatnot. He's not, but... At the same time, he also said he's frustrated. So you can't, from one hand, say you're frustrated and then also say you've enjoyed the season because I've not enjoyed the season. Okay, I've ticked off a couple of extra grounds that I've not done before, um, but I'd rather be going to the same grounds that I've been to already in the Championship. No no question at all. Um, so that was... There was some parts of his... I've given him some credit a minute ago, so this is probably my, me balancing it up with some criticism for him as well. But I think there's some parts of that interview which were just regurgitated, recycled from what he said previously in his past letters or his past interviews. Um, there wasn't anything over surprising in there, but I don't, I don't genuinely believe he's enjoyed this season. But I do genuinely believe that he wants out of this league because it's it's a lot more financially beneficial to be out of this league than to be in the championship. And like Martin says, I don't think there is a wrong time to go up. If you go up, you've got that extra money you can budget for, and you can make try and make the better seasons. I mean, look at on the flip side, I'm not comparing it to obviously the money's a lot different, but you look at the likes of Norwich and Fulham where they go up to the champ to the Premier League and come back down and go up and come back down and they pocket the money. They build for it. Do the same. Do the same at this level. Go up to the championship, pocket the extra eight, nine million quid, buy some better players. All right, go back down. You go back down. But if you go back down, having to go over it, the fans are still going to be behind you. Come back down, reset, use some of that money you pocketed, go back up again to get some more money. It's there's means and ways of going about it. I just don't think we should be settling for second best because this football club isn't second best. It's a big football club. We've had 
an FA Cup win. Okay, I know it's only one. We've had players that we've had a player that won the Ballon d'Or in our history. We're not some second-rate middle middle mid-table League One team. We are Blackpool Football Club. We're a big football team. We deserve to be in the Championship for me, um, and I think we should dispel of that attitude where we're just happy to accept mediocrity and we should be wanting better. And I don't think we're out of order to ask for better. Sadler himself tells us the aims of the football club to be in the Championship and challenging top half, this, that, and the other in three years. So hold them to account. Why can't we hold them to account? If they're saying they're going to go for this and then it doesn't happen, we can hold them to account and we're not out of order for doing that. We pay a lot of money to support them. But like I say, we are Blackpool Football Club and we're a big team. Yes, there's a, going off piece a little bit to your point, I think, but you've just made the point, like you said, you, you, we have the right to question, as I've said, since pod five or six, Martin, where I've said it's all skirt, no knickers, where... We've we've built this amazing product with Dandering TV, and there, the the, the Mansford smirk will live forever for me. Think to the day I die, if we want to go and get a player, we will, and laugh, and you know, um, Julian saying we have got a better budget, so on and so forth. We know they've said all of that, and and Powell's right, we should question it. But he's also just raised a really good point: the Sunderlands, the Newcastles, the Derbies. There's a few of this world where if they see product on the pitch and they see Apta playing and they see potentially Jack Moore playing or see a Karamoko Dembele actually sign and show some ambition but we just don't quite do it or we fall a little bit short the fans are going to turn up in their tens of thousands every week again it's the polar opposite to that which is happening now which I think will really severely affect season ticket you know sales next year if the fans are not going to trust Critchley one because of his comments and his tactics and two you know if we're not going to sign the right players during the window etc I actually think we'll sell less transfer, uh, season tickets next year and the pressure will be on to, to Spence of Critchley if, if, if it continues in the same vein and I don't wish to see anyone out of the job but I do wish to see some good football being played and for us to be entertained and us to remember you know pushing for if if that bit so be it the League One playoffs in a in a good way versus sneaking in with zero momentum built over the past sort of 40 games I think yeah, how we finish this season is quite important. I think if we went on a really good run and just missed out, people would would be a little bit more forgiving. I think if we carry on with this, win one, lose one, win one, lose one, and it's it's so mediocre, well, not even mediocre away from home, then that will affect things. But I, I hope we finish well, and I hope we do. You know, look, I, I think I think Sadler's got a lot of things right. I think the infrastructure of the club is a lot better than it was. We all know that. You know, the professionalism in terms of you know, the, the sponsorship side of it, you know, all that stuff has improved, the community trust, all that's improved. And the last bit, it should be the first bit, but the last bit that's not quite right is the product on the pitch. And I think no matter what happens this season, in the summer, the recruitment's got to be early, it's got to be shot. You know, we we, we need, we've we got the Pennington signing, we've got the Norburn signing, and then as, as Paul rightly said, it kind of went to a grinding halt. They need that momentum. Because when we went up, if you remember, we, we were signing players with, I know we probably had less time but we were signing players within a few days, weren't we? You know, Grimshaw came along quite quickly and one or two others. We need to, to have momentum in the summer and, and get people interested. If they procrastinate and, and and mess about and wait until July, beginning of August to sign players, then those season ticket sales will be really, really slow if we're still in League One and we've had a really uninspiring end to the season. Sadler knows all this, though. And he has a team that that also know all this. You know, his recruitment team know this. His, his chief executive has been around the block four or five times. So he knows all this. He's worked at some good football clubs. They, they have to know it otherwise. They all know. Yeah. They, of course they do. They're not stupid. It's it's how much you want it, isn't it? And it's how much you are prepared to commit, I suppose. And he has committed a lot of money, but 
But football footballers are expensive and wage bills are expensive. It just depends whether he he, he has to really. Um, otherwise, we'll get left behind. Foot, yeah, we will football, get left behind. Running a football club, I don't have the first understanding of it versus being an actual owner. Don't get me wrong. It's easy for us to sit on this podcast and say, we mm. should do better. We should have the training ground built and so on and so forth. However, you can always look at other examples like Powell and, and yourself have said, you know, the Brightons, the, the the Brentfords of this world have been in similar positions to what we've been in. There's absolutely no reason, and I appreciate different owners at the time, but why we shouldn't have built on our past and shouldn't have built on when Critchley left and got an appointment in. The whole point yeah. of Sadler's reign with, with Critchley goes, there should have been, and they know they've said it already, but that's really had a domino effect on to, to even now where... We do take so long to make a decision. Yeah. Hopefully now and it actually went, they've, they've got someone in the firing line. And, yeah. and for me, that, you know, it isn't just going out and maybe getting the similar thing to Critchley. I know Ipswich mm. and others have had that pay off, but mm. you either trust in Dobby or, you know, you go out and get someone like Richie Wellens and you really flex our muscles and say, we are Blackpool Football Club. But if the next appointment after Critchley, if, if he does ever go, you know, is wrong again, then we, we're going to forever be building this thing in League One when your Stockports and your Wrexhams and stuff of the world are going to be moving at the rate of knots. So, yeah, we can't, yeah, afford, we can't to afford to keep going backwards, can we? Because I think what, what you people, a lot of people have got to remember and got to realise that this football club is about 20 years behind its rivals because, you know, when Preston had the opportunity to, to redevelop Deepdale, they did it. And, and no matter what you think about Preston, you know, they, they have a very fit-for-purpose four-sided stadium, which can get, all right, look, it's too big for them. We know it's too big for them. It's like when they're pulling Liverpool or, or, they're, or they're giving the ground to Liverpool to host some crap friendly. In. But but they, they have an infrastructure in place. Burnley have an infrastructure in place. We, we don't, you know, we don't. And the previous owner left it to such rack and ruin that, that Sadler was always going to be playing catch up, but he, he probably has to move quicker because he has less time than than um, than he should have really. Because when he bought the football club, he should have been buying a. He mentioned it in the interview. He should have been buying something that was fit for purpose. I mean, my God! I mean, I know people who worked at the community trust that that when when Sadler bought the club, um, they went to the kit supplier area and they said, or however you pronounce it, they said. Oh, we need new. Uh, we need new kit. We're going to be taking on more staff. And they said, "Well, until you pay the bill that Oyston didn't pay, you're not having any kit." And they owed him thirty grand. It's crap like that that he's had to pick up. But he, but he's, yeah, he's also yeah. then got to. He's got. But then he's got to go past that. And we, well, as I say, we can't always be grateful forever for him doing that. He he took that on. He, it was his decision. Um, but he now needs to crack on and try and catch up because his football club is still considerably behind its rivals in in the way it's 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 set up. I mean, that away end now is embarrassing. You walk around there, that that horrible corrugated iron at the back of that stand, isn't it, Paul? Is it, you know you, yep. you live around here. It's embarrassing, isn't it? Yeah. The the, the, the the east stand is an absolute freaking embarrassment, and it is because it, it's it's crap. It was a it was a temporary stand set up, you know, at, at six weeks' notice or whatever it was, and it's still there, you know. Which is that's not Sadler's fault, but that all that crap needs sorting out, and we we, we just need to we can't afford uh, big cockups with managerial appointments because it's another thing he has to fix along with everything else. He's trying to fix so i don't envy him i don't envy him it's an expensive stressful job but i just think yeah he needs to be a little bit more um the whole thing needs to feel a little bit less cold and corporate as i said last week we needs to be um yeah, we, we just want to see just get the, let's just get the happy-go-lucky face of blackpool back rather than i mean that I, again I won't go on about it but that, that whole fans group thing when you read it it's like the average blackpool fan cannot be asked reading that 
statement you've put out on the website. Just have a fans forum every couple, twice a year, and everyone will be quite happy. It's all you need. Don't make it too complicated. You know, doesn't cost anything for, for passion and desire and what we want to see on the pitch, and we we can accept things off it. Um, when when those two worlds collide and there's both not going right, that's when more noise is created, isn't it? So yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens come come the next sort of ten games or so. And I'm sure each week we'll we can have our own comments on it. But um, it's an interesting summer, regardless of what league we're in, and 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 you know, and if it is Critchley and, and what we're going to do. So still exciting times. There's still plenty for us to talk about. Um, and we'll talk. Uh, on the last subject, gentlemen, I'll start with you, pal. Martin's just had the spotlight. Uh, it's easy to just say the opposite to what we saw on Tuesday, but what's your expectations of Saturday? And you know, after watching it, do you, do you actually think it's going to change it? Because I know we've now got injuries and potentially Rhodes won't be back, but um, it, we'll, we'll know more of that tomorrow. But what, what do you think? What, would you, what do you think he'll do Saturday? I think it's going to be his hands are going to be tied a little bit by injuries. Depending on how bad Coulson's injury is, Lyons looked like a pretty bad injury. So I think CJ is going to start by default, isn't he? Um, you'd like to think Gabriel stays in. Conley cannot start. Husband, if it was a dead leg, then husband should be back and he should be okay to start. Um, <laughs> it's probably fair to say we missed him. <laughs> unbelievably, I will actually say, I, yeah, I did, never thought I'd actually could say this, but I actually think we did miss husband. Um, no, I think I'm going to clip that up, by the way, and just put an X for him. I give it, send it to him on DM. Um, what I'd probably like to see, I think Norburn had a poor game. I'd quite like to see Morgan and Byers as a two with Dembele in front of them. Joseph and one other, isn't it, up front, really? Um, it's going to be Beasley or Kwasi because I think Lavery's still out, is injured. And Rose, even if he's fit to play some part, he's not going to start because he's yeah, been up so the long. Bench, uh, but I said before, I do genuinely think we'll win on Saturday. Um, I think from memory, Shrewsbury's pitch is quite big, which would suit CJ. So he's got the room to run in behind and to to knock it around and just chase after it like a, a dog at the park. Yeah, I, I fully expect us to win. Um, I don't think we'll win the next two, but I think we'll definitely beat Shrewsbury. And then it depends how we turn up at Ports, for Portsmouth at home. Um, I won't be watching it because I'll be travelling down to Luton because I'm going away Sunday morning. So I, on that basis, I think we'll probably have the game of our lives and we'll probably put seven or eight away, won't we, just because I'm not watching it. So you, You're generally going to wait another seven days before you listen to the pod for a Holloway? No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've saved the pod to, for Sunday. I've got, got it downloaded, ready to go. Oh, no, you, I'm sorry. Fly. Yeah, you're going this Sunday, aren't you? Sorry. Yeah. But no, Mark, yeah, so I, I do think we'll win. Expectations for Saturday. Um, yeah. After after overall, you know, Peterborough, Bolton, um, I forgot who was before that, but the performances have been there or thereabouts. It's just Tuesday took another horrific step back. So you'd like to see a reaction like after Cheltenham against Peterborough. You'd like to see a reaction on Saturday. My my big worry is that we don't really have anybody who, who looks like threatening the goal often enough, consistently enough. I think Beasley's done well to get 11, but, you know, I think half of those have been in the... Six in the, the, in the, in the six, Yeah. So, you know, look, Blackpool Football Club doesn't own doesn't own a natural goal scorer. I think that's the, that's the truth of it. Rhodes isn't our player and, and all the other strikers are not natural goal scorers. That worries me a bit. Kouas is not ready for this. He's not ready for this. And we thought maybe he might have been, but I don't think he is. I think you would benefit next season from a, a loan somewhere in League Two. But uh, yeah, I, I expect a better performance than stupidly. I think we'll win too. And, and I think, I don't think, uh, Shrewsbury, when they're shocking, they're really shocking, aren't they? I just Hurst hope. has got them player better though. He's, they're playing better football, definitely. Right. We they have a terrible record on the weekend, but... Apart from beating them, this, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't big up the opposition. I, I didn't say uh, actually, so. I, I, We have a terrible record against Shrewsbury, don't we? I know we beat them 4 0 oh, at yeah. our place, but we haven't, before that, that we've not beaten them since 1997 or something. Ridiculous. So we don't have a great record there. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to see, I just want to see front foot attacking football. But um, injuries will play a big part in who he selects. Um, I, 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 think I, think, win. I think the difference is right. And I, yeah. I think having Joseph. And Beasley's fine, and I think Powell's not the mm. not the nail on the head. I think if Colson and Gabriel start, and you have Byers, Morgan, and Dembele, I think that's it. I think I think that's generally the the chemistry you need to to make that five three two three five two work. I think that's it. At the moment, so you're not, you you're not playing the captain then, no. The, the, well, not 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 no. not for recent performances, mate. No, and I, and I'm I was a no. big fan of Norman. I mean, either. Oh, meaning. But it's, it's about balance. I think Wellen spoke about it. Holloway spoke about it. There's been loads of managers this season which speaks about balance. And, and Powell's right. When you play Connolly and Hamilton, you just haven't got one confidence, two intelligence, and three balance for that team. And the moment Colson and Gary were starting, you saw it against Bottom and the Lions come on. Mm. It was beautiful. Each wing was happy. The middle started to tick. The strikers ran in behind. Lions wins yeah. a penalty or sets up a penalty chance. Gabriel does what he does and gets in behind and scores a goal. He's done it so many times with us um, or been in those positions. Not in Forest, for example. Um, he had a chance against Forest in the in the re- replay. He's done it loads. Um, and that's because the balance allows him to do it. Mm. Run in behind, do the overlap. Unfortunately, you can't do that with Connolly and Hamilton. It is we talk- there. We've talked a lot so, about Connolly though, but but Connolly Connolly last season was seen as being someone who got stuck in and and did all right for the same with the season before. Where, where do you guys just quickly? Where do you guys see Connolly's best position? Because do you not think it's, away it's not as, it's not it's not in the back four. It's not in the back it, 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 for me. He's a if you need he's, him, he's a sort of workman like you know. Unfortunately, get, get he's almost like modern day Danny Coy, doesn't he? He's probably just a victim of his own versatility. Don't do Coyley like that, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. He, he, no, he'll play we, anywhere, we, and he's but willing until, to play anywhere, up but he's until not this that terrible anywhere. run that he had. But we liked, didn't we like Callum Connolly up until? You know, I never. Uh, really if you're going to play him anywhere, you play him. You play him. You really You play him in a back four where there's already players better than him, centre back, or you play him in midfield. So maybe playing for Norburn, I think can't do much. If you're going to use him, he's for me, his position is midfield. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a ball-winning midfielder. If just a, if just I let him pick him anywhere, just do like playing with Byers, playing with Byers and Morgan, with nothing else to lose. Yeah, win, win, let him win the ball and lay it off to the players more capable. Um, but he's definitely he doesn't suit a back three. He most yeah. definitely isn't. No, no, he don't. A hundred million percent, no chance. No, you're right. Yeah, I just I don't want to do Colin Day. I think his his rinsed of confidence and. I think if you now stick him in midfield, we play a system which, you know, he might look a bit better. But yeah, we'll see. But anyway, I'll call that pod. Um, thanks, gentlemen. Fingers crossed on Saturday. Um, we have better um, luck away from home and a better performance as well. Um, Pal, thanks for this evening giving us your insight. Yeah, thanks for having me, mate. And uh, I'm away now for a couple of weeks. So hopefully next time I'm on, I might return back to the country with a couple of positive results to talk about. And hopefully, hopefully not COVID. Holidays. Yeah, hopefully not. Mark, as ever, thanks for joining me this um, evening. Oh, you're welcome. I just I hope the listeners have stuck with us because we never never used to be like this, did it? Used to be buoyant and full of balls. <laughs> no, it's just now it's just hope. a therapy session. But no, 
we're full of hope, but now we're hopeless. But yeah, no, good luck to everyone traveling on Saturday. Uh, let's get three points for God's sake. And from all of us at the It's an Orange podcast, have a good evening. <laughs>